everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specializes in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavors like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in. Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Autism Spectrum Disorder, short for ASD, is the name for a group of developmental disorders. People with ASD often have ongoing social problems that include difficulty communicating and interacting with others. Our guest today is Kavita Tekchandani. She is an early intervention advisor working with NHS. Let's hear from her some of the common misconceptions and challenges of autism. Kavita, welcome to Globalization. Um, topic of discussion today is obviously autism and uh, in medical field, I think it's uh, considered ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. Yeah. Um, while I was doing the research for this podcast, uh, I came across a um, few one-liners on how do you define an autism. And the one that stuck to me was um, uh, sensory chaos, as they call it in, uh, in, in young children. From subject matter expert, first of all, what is autism? Well, autism is a developmental disability. Uh, Like you rightly said, it can be sensory chaos. So for some children, it could be, uh, they could be highly sensitive, high or low sensitivity they may have to uh, sound, color, taste, touch, even temperature, uh, and even to pain. So all our senses basically could have an effect on them. Uh, which is uh, very overwhelming. So to give you an example, it would be like if you're at an airport and you've got all the sounds, the sights, you've got uh, people talking to you, you are walking towards the terminal. Uh, So your brain is processing all of that information and it's telling you, okay, you need to focus on walking and talking to the person next to you. Uh, and your brain can, a neurotypical brain can do that. But with an autistic brain, for, for that autistic child or person, uh, their brain tells them that everything is topmost priority. So your brain, as a neurotypical person's brain, can uh, tell them what action needs to take priority and ignore the rest. But an autistic person's brain tells them that everything is top priority. So should I, uh, so he, because you are at this airport in your head, should I look at the sound? Should I, uh, I should I hear the sound? Should I look at the pictures that I can see? Should I uh, speak to the person next to me? Should I walk? Everything is priority. So everything is overwhelming for this uh, autistic brain. Uh, they, they don't know what, they find it difficult to process what is priority and what we need to focus on. 
So when that happens, they can get it go into a meltdown. So if you see children uh, just lying down on the floor, screaming and crying and refusing to budge, it's because they are overwhelmed with their environment and they don't know how, how to deal with it. So that's the way they would react. So, uh, and to give you another simple example about autism is like, probably you, you're going on a holiday and you've packed to go to a warm place. So you've got all your summer clothes, you've got your sunglasses and all the summer equipment that you need. And then your plane lands in Iceland. So what do you do in that situation? So that is what happens to a person with autism. They are unable to deal with their environment. Okay. Well, thanks for summing that up. Um, we understand you are uh, early intervention advisor with National Health Services in UK. Now, from parents' point of view, what is it that they have to look into their growing or early toddler or even a young child as, as you know, in the first year of their, their birth? What signs they have to look into or what kind of support they have in order for them to understand that their child is going through a certain sensory chaos? Right. So uh, autism symptoms, generally you will see the symptoms or signs of autism when after children hit two, two and a half. That's when you kind of start to see certain signs uh, where they may have a speech delay. Uh, they may be sensitive to certain touch or taste, smell, when they may uh, be, they may eat only particular kinds of foods, not want to touch certain uh, textures, so they would prefer to eat dry stuff, foods that are dry, finger foods, rather than something that's wet or with a gravy, because it's, uh, it's very sensitive for them to, to touch those kind of things. They would not like to get into a mess. They would not like to do messy play, things like that. And they would have limited eye contact as well. Uh, as a baby, they, they would have developed absolutely fine. They would have achieved all their milestones. So they would have walked, crawled, all of those things they would have achieved at a typical age. But when they, uh, when they become two, two and a half years of age, they might start to show you ideally speech delay and repetitive behaviors as well. Uh, uh, some children may stim, so uh, that is like they may flap their hands, they may like to spin around or go around in circles or they might like to rock themselves. So when they're doing that, the, the, uh, when they're doing that, it's known as stimming, uh, when they're doing that, they're trying to uh, settle themselves, they're trying to regulate their emotions and feelings. So it's not advisable to stop them when they're doing it. Okay, okay. Uh, Kavita, once these early signs are identified by the parents, what are the next steps that they take? Um, and how easy and difficult is it for the parent to accept that there is a problem with the child? Right. Uh, so uh, once they've identified the early signs, like we discussed, uh, they can either go to their GP or they can go to their health visitors. And then they, uh, the health visitors would ideally do a developmental check on the child. 
and if if they have identified any concerns they would then refer them to either speech therapist or a community pediatrician right and so then then the child would go through a process of diagnosis okay uh with regards to your question about the parents mm. uh it can be very very difficult for mm. a parent to accept yeah that my child has got autism or any kind of developmental delay. Yeah. Uh it's it's a whole process that they have to go through uh to accept the fact that there is a problem with their child. Uh the earlier they accept it the better it is because once they accept it then it's easier to put in the support and work on the activities and the strategies that they need that the child needs yeah. to learn and develop okay and uh, we we hear about a lot of uh, issues in uh, in news about nhs having budget constraints and there are a lot of cuts around um, nhs various departments how does that affect i mean on on priority list because you are from that field do you see that that's affecting any kind of support to uh, the much needed population Well yes there are a lot of cuts currently going on in the NHS uh and they obviously children would benefit if there's more support available uh, more sessions more group activities that they could access uh and help them with things like messy play there there are there are uh, groups available uh, where children can go to uh but they are quite limited just like you have special schools which are quite limited you you know you have a couple of schools in each borough uh, which are special schools and they are not dedicated to autism mm-hmm. there there could be a variety of other children with different needs in those school uh, with regards to autism in my experience i've come across a lot of parents who would definitely benefit from more um, more support available in the community uh, and uh, there is a very long waiting list as well it mm-hmm. might take up to a year once a child is diagnosed to uh, once a child is referred mm-hmm. uh it might take up to a year at least to get diagnosed or even more wow. so till till the child is not diagnosed either the parent is in denial because they haven't yeah. got an official diagnosis yeah or if you know they are waiting for that official diagnosis so so they don't they don't do much mm-hmm. in, in that period yeah. because they think oh it may just be a speech delay and my my child is going to be fine soon Right. So if if they had got intervention or yeah. diagnosis earlier mm-hmm. that would have benefited the child and the parent to understand the condition and then to help and support the child from there. And is this something that NHS is aware of? Obviously they probably are, but are there any support groups if not through NHS community support groups are in place to help the parents to get through that you know one year or even longer wait yeah there are there are a lot of groups yeah. available uh, mm-hmm. even through the through the nhs and yeah. in the community there there are groups available there are well, groups specifically available for children with autism okay. uh, and other needs as well mm-hmm. 
so they children can access there is something called short breaks that is available through the nhs uh, so each borough will provide that something mm-hmm. called short breaks where they take the children out for the day if they are young very young children yeah. they'll take them out for the day uh, to uh, age appropriate activities yeah. uh, like you know like they may take them to the farm or various different indoor places or outdoor places as well so the parent can get some respite because it can be very um, taking so it can take a lot from the parent and yeah. if you've got more than one child at home so you know you need to spend time with the other children as mm. well yeah. uh, so it, it helps the short breaks helps the parents yeah. for older children there is uh, also respite available so the older the autistic child or young person can go for maybe a weekend and stay in a residential place okay. uh, where, and then the parents can get uh, get yeah. some respite. Uh, there is also um, something called family fund available mm-hmm. which parents can apply to uh, and then they can get some, uh, they get funding to buy probably equipment, anything they might need. It's a it's a one-off payment they get so once a year they can use that payment okay. to buy any kind of equipment okay. that they need and once the child gets a diagnosis they can also apply for something called DLA that's disability living allowance yeah. uh, so then that's again funding given by the government to help the child with anything mm. that they might need okay um, in terms of euro so as a early intervention advisor what does that entail in terms of a job spec right so when i say early intervention early intervention is where we we've identified there's a concern there's an issue here and then we what i do is i set in strategies i first of all will assess the child i'll assess his develop his or her developmental age and then if the for example if the child is physically child is three three and a half years of age and uh, he's functioning at a two-year level mm. so i would then set up activities from a two-year level so that the child can achieve if the child is developmentally functioning at a two-year level and physically he's a three and a half year old child I would be setting him up to fail if I expect him to uh, do the activities that a three and a half year old should be doing. Mm. So what, when I intervene, I would set up activities for the child from a two year level mm. so that they can build their confidence and achieve their potential. And, and I keep saying his because uh, there are more boys diagnosed with autism than girls. And is there any any reason behind it? There is no no reason behind it. But when you look at the stats, the number of boys is much higher than girls. Okay. And it's very difficult to um, identify girls with autism. Because it can be quite hidden in them. They can mask it better than boys. So talking about stats, when I was reading about autism, uh, I was was surprised to see it's... uh, Roughly 10 million people in the world have autism, one in 100 in uh, UK and one in 68 in India. 
That's so a there lot are of around 700,000 people yeah. uh, diagnosed with autism in the UK. So that that's a very big number, and recently it's it's been quite it's quite high. So a lot of children are being diagnosed with autism. Then, if you would look at the stats, maybe even ten years ago. Yes, I think our, the one I was watching a documentary and it talked about in 20, 2004, there was one in 10,000 diagnosed in US and then in 2014, there was one in 70. Yes. That huge yeah. change. Yeah, it's now, I don't know why, why the change. But there is no known cause for the autism, but research has shown that it could be either genetic or environmental. There's no known specific cause for autism mm. as yet. And what are the common myths around autism? I mean obviously a lot of people also believe that it's cured or it's genetic or it's um, as you said some some parents live in denial but what are the normal myths that you come across as parents go through or people have uh, for, a, for an autism? Okay so the, some of the myths would be that oh he's a boy he will speak late because boys generally speak later than girls. So, and there are more boys diagnosed with autism. So uh, parents generally think that, oh, he's a boy, he's going to speak late. He's just lazy. You know, these are some of the ex kind of excuses parents uh, will, will say for their, just for their own satisfaction, mm. because obviously nobody wants to have a problem or to face an issue. Uh, but these are some of the things that they, they might tell you, that he's lazy, he can understand everything, but yes, your child can understand, but if they are not following the instructions or they are not comprehending uh, what's been said, mm. uh, or if they're not consistent, some sometimes parents might tell you, yes, he does it, sometimes, not all the time. Mm. So. When, when children are, when, when you look at the development of a child, you need to be doing things consistently to say, yes, my child can do these kind of activities. But if your child is doing it sometimes and not doing it all the time or not doing it 80% of the time, then there is a concern and it needs to be looked into. So the earlier you look into it, the faster you, you can put the support in place and see the, uh, see the development and see the progress in the child. Um, Kavita, you talked about the challenges that the child and the parents face, but what are the challenges that you face as an as a early intervention advisor? So the biggest challenge for me is, uh, is the parent. Because once the parent accepts, the, the, when the parent is in denial, that's the biggest challenge. Mm. So what, you, what helps to move, move everything faster, move the support faster, is that once the parent accepts the fact that there is an issue and we need to work on it, that's half the battle won. Yeah. Because then we've got the parent actively working with the child. Yeah. If the parent is in denial, then they're not doing the activities that they need to be doing or they're not putting the strategies in place yeah. that would benefit the child just just because just because they're in denial and they, they cannot accept the fact 
that there's something wrong here. And it's more dads than moms who are who take a longer time to accept that there is something wrong with the child. So the once the parents accept it, then it's half the battle won because they are the ones who have to do the activities yeah. with the children. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, I would, I always tell the parents, you're the best teacher for yeah. your child. Yeah. And I can support you, I can advise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do the rest of the work yeah. with the child. I can see there's a lot of passion and commitment towards autism. What drives you to help parents and and children? Is it something to do with, you know, the way you always wanted to get into this profession? If you if you want to touch upon that, that'll be great. Well, call it coincidence or destiny. Uh, I was probably destined to be in this field. Uh, I was always, for some reason, I was always inclined towards working with uh, with children with additional needs, not necessarily autism, but children with additional needs. Uh, And when I was back in India, so this is going back probably uh, 20 years or more ago, uh, I wanted to do a course uh, for children with additional needs. Uh, but due to time and distance constraints, I wanted to enroll in a course, but I couldn't because the college that I wanted to en- enroll in was pretty far from where I lived. So I didn't enroll. Uh, and then, you know, a few years later, I did, uh, I qualified in child development and teacher training in India. And then following that, I came to the UK. Mm -hmm. When I came to the UK, I worked in a nursery for two years. And then I started, after that, I started working in the community, in the NHS. While I was working in the NHS, I got an opportunity to do a course on uh, children with additional needs. As it it had it was always there, but it, it was I was always interested in it, but it had taken a backseat in my life. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I got this opportunity to do the course in uh, for children with additional needs, and I was absolutely fascinated when I did the course, and I started using all the strategies that I learned there in my current role. Uh, and then I got got an opportunity to uh, for a job opportunity to work with a portage team. Uh, portage is uh, portage team is a team that supports children with all kinds of difficulties like fine motor skills, gross motor skills, cognition, mm-hmm. autism, ADHD, or a- any kind of. So, in uh, I got an opportunity to work in that team, in the Portage team. Uh, And uh, I worked with children, all kinds of children with cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism, various difficulties, developmental delays, various kinds of difficulties. And I just loved the role. I just loved what I was doing there. Unfortunately, uh, due to the cuts like Gagan mentioned earlier, uh, they had to shut down the portage service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was made redundant then. Right. But then I came back again working in the NHS. Uh, and I was uh, I was using all my experience yeah. 
uh, that I got with uh, children with uh, developmental delays. And it, it helped me because I, in my role in the NHS, I had to do developmental checks yeah. on children. So it helped me a lot and I was naturally inclined to identify the, uh, any kind of delays that children had and uh, to, to be able to identify, assess and put in strategies in place. And then uh, around about last year I started my private practice. Okay. Uh, I started it with motivation from the parents that I was working with in the NHS okay. and uh, they, they were really impressed with my work and they, they were the ones who wanted me to start the private practice. Uh, so motivated and encouraged by them is what made me start the private practice. That's brilliant. Uh, so I uh, also work with neurotypical children. So I do work with children from zero to ten. Mm-hmm. And is it um, in terms of your patients, as you would call, rather than clients? Because though it's a private practice, it's a business for you in terms of... Um, outside NHS that you help them uh, in your own own, uh, personal time. Are these uh, from a certain background in terms of racial background or do you see that it's from all over the place Uh, or are there different techniques or different approach from different uh, races? Uh, Is that something you've understood over the the years or it doesn't really matter? It's every child is unique. Yeah, I, I work with children from all different backgrounds, uh, but understanding different cultures, like I've been working now for the past 17 years with children and I've worked with various different uh, families from different cultures. So understanding their culture helps because uh, all cultures, they bring up their children differently and they, they, their perspectives are different. Mm when it comes to uh, bringing up their children. So that kind of helps me when I deal with parents coming from uh, different backgrounds. So just adding on to your uh, earlier when you mentioned Kavita about that you also run a personal practice. Tell us a bit more about how is that different to NHS and also how can people reach out to you? Um, I understand it's uh, uh, only people around UK or Feldham area where you are based, uh, but what if people on Facebook, things like that, or any social media you are active on, um, and also with what kind of issues other than autism that you also cover? So I offer a one-to-one support and I also do group workshops and also for online support to parents uh, and I offer support to all all kinds of issues so I specialize in children's growth and developmental issues uh, covering things like introducing solids, fussy eating, behavior management, sleep training, uh, anything, any uh, speech delay so anything and everything to do with children's growth and developmental issues. Uh, Autism is my speciality but other than that, I cover these aspects as well. And how do they reach out to you? When you said uh, there are some yeah. online groups, so what? Just... I I do uh, I do have a Facebook page which is called Parent Sphere. Uh, you can access that. It's got a lot of information on various different aspects of child development. Uh, 
a very helpful and useful page. You can uh, message me on Facebook or my I can give you my contact number, uh, which is 0782872389. You can always give me a call, and uh, you know we can arrange to meet. Kabita, thank you for enlightening us about about this very sensitive subject. We, me and Gagan have learned uh, quite a bit and I hope that our listeners will understand the challenges that the parents, the children and the, the amazing work that you guys do at NHS or privately. Okay, thank you, Kavita, for your time this evening. Thank you for having me on your show. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.